Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored once again by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show takes you to those places where you have those mastermind meetings and aha moments that can change your trajectory or at least bring you a little bit closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. I come to you today from my purple couch in my sumptuous Las Vegas apartment and known to some in some places as the hottest city in America. I'm here with my feline production assistants and we are going to be having a very intriguing conversation about leadership, leadership success, and the idea that wisdom comes from evaluated experience, not time served. Mm -hmm. Now, to share with us on this very interesting topic, and I'm actually going to be letting him do a fair amount of the talking here because I'm in kind of the student position today, Um, our guest name is Antonio Garrido. I cannot troll my tongue. He advised me to just say Garrido, but G-A-R-R-I-D-O. I'm Unfortunately, the level of Spanish education in the United States as a second language does not cover much. It's really a shame, and I tried five semesters of it. But anyway, Antonio is the author of My Daily Leadership, a powerful roadmap for leadership success, and founder and president of My Daily Leadership, a leadership development organization with a mission to inspire one million of the world's best leaders to reach their full potential. He has over 25 years in senior leadership positions with world-class businesses, and Antonio is an expert in leadership transformation, meaning shaping high-performance leaders out of highly stressed and overworked leaders. Antonio blends his own vast commercial experience with proven techniques to embed a unique brand of leadership development. He is a serial entrepreneur, successful business coach, charismatic speaker, and leader from small private businesses right up to Fortune 60 size. Woo, Antonio, come on in. The weather's fine. Goodness, that's <laughs> that sounded right. I quite want to listen to myself today. That's I, right. I know. I, I, I am so impressed by this. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here, and this is my show. <laughs> so, so now that I've read off the official bio, let's pull back yeah. the curtain a little bit before we get All into right. this topic. And uh, tell us a bit about your journey in your own words, and maybe something that's br- helped bring you to where you are serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion today oh gosh well where to start i'll try and keep it uh brief because it's probably only interesting to me and my mother but um uh i uh i first came out of university a million years ago because i'm fairly ancient uh as an architect so i was an architect ever such a long time ago um uh, out of the uk you could probably tell by the accent that doesn't sound like i'm um um, from Los Angeles, does it, Adam? So um, I started as an architect, and then by luck rather than judgment, um, I found myself uh, heading up 
uh, a department and then heading up a division uh, and then heading up a, <laughs> up a company and then going back to university to get uh, further training in uh, strategic uh, business management. And then just was so fortunate to work for some absolutely inspiring leaders, learning all the way along the way. Um, and trying to figure out uh, what great leadership was all about, what success looked like, and what are the behaviors, attitudes, the beliefs that's going to uh, help some leaders do really well and some not do so terribly well. I uh, I then was going to kind of semi-retire about 10 or 12 years ago, um, but I wrote um, my first book, which did rather well, <laughs> which then uh, inspired me to write my second. This is my third book, although I have a, uh, a, a contract for a, a further two. Uh, and I set up you know, 10, 12 years ago, um, a leadership development organization. We grew that gangbusters. And uh, yeah, so now I try and help leaders of all ilks, all sizes, all shapes, all markets, all geographies, and all of that kind of stuff, um, uh, help them uh, maximize their own potential, their people's potential, and therefore, by default, add in their company's potential. So we're on a journey to help leaders maximize themselves, their people, and their organization, and, uh, and try and have some fun along the way. I'm fortunate enough to have some tremendous uh clients and um god love them all so was that short enough or do you need more oh that's beautiful so okay, here so this uh conversation is going to take several different angles you gave me a lot of different things to cover okay. in the green room so for our listeners this is going to be a potpourri of information where you may find tidbits that you can apply based on your terms in alignment with your own truth but the first yeah. thing that i want to do here is there are a few terms that we need to identify. So, okay. Antonio, I'm going to ask you about a few of the things you've shared with me and ask you to identify what they mean, starting with the title. Uh, wisdom comes from evaluated experience, not time served. What? Where are we going with that? Okay, so this started. So one of the most inspirational leaders I have uh, ever worked for was um, – uh, so years ahead of his time, it was a very, very large organization. I reported to him. He was the chief exec um, and, um, you know, probably 17, 18,000 uh, um, employees and billions in revenue. Anyway, one day, very early on in, in my uh, exec role, my leadership role, uh, he asked me to go and see him in his office he didn't send me an email because those things weren't around at the time I right. got to my office in the morning there was a handwritten note please come and see me I was like oh crikey I'm gonna get fired I've only been in, I've only been in the room uh -huh. um and he uh he asked me this question and, and I, it, it leads to other questions so give me a few minutes on this one Adam but he he, he oh, asked please. Me, yeah he said um he he asked me whether I whether or not I journaled he said hey Antonio do you journal um and and I didn't right, and I never had. So I said, uh, no, no, Andy, I uh, no, I don't. And he asked me why I didn't, and and I wasn't entirely sure what to say. So I found myself 
You know, sometimes, Adam, when you're saying something and you can kind of see the words in the air, like in a big cartoon bubble, right? So I said, um, it's, I, I don't journal, probably because I'm not a 16-year-old Victorian schoolgirl. I can't think of any other reason why I don't, right? And um, fortunate, he saw the funny, fortunate enough, he saw the funny side in that. And he said, no, it's not about Mr. Darcy being mean to you. It's about, it's about trying to grow self-awareness. And it's about... Um, uh, evaluating your own performance and experience so I said oh okay I could see that he was obviously very serious about it all I said no I don't and he said okay well go and find eight of the most successful people that you can from any walk of life right doesn't just have to be in business or in leadership but whatever you call successful go and find eight of them and ask them whoever they might be whether or not they journal and if you think about it Adam you know whoever any kind of athlete, you know, sports person, entertainer, business uh, guru, uh, you know, at a senior, senior, senior level, um, I'm going to say 99 out of 100 of them journal. So I started to look into this principle of journaling. Um, I got to six of my list of eight and each of them did. So I went back to the uh, to the group chair and I said, OK, I get it. OK, good. Yeah. Um, journaling. So no, I don't. But yes, I should. But how do I do that? So that began my journey of this principle of evaluated experience, right? I I for I interview, I have, I have interviewed, gosh, I don't know, let's say a couple of hundred uh, executives in my time. And uh, oftentimes when we look at their resume and we see that they've got 20 years of experience, when we dig into that, what we actually find is they learned for two years and then they just did rinse and repeat. 10 times that cycle, if that makes sense. And they kind of plateaued and stopped learning. So the principle of uh, evaluated experience is absolutely critical for leaders because here's what never happens, Adam, right? So um, nobody will ever come to you know me or any other kind of senior exec, uh, CEO of an organization and, and knock on somebody's door and go, hey, Frank, have you got 10 minutes? And Frank, of course, says, yeah, yeah, come in. But, you know, what's on your mind, George? And he said, well, I just, I've been watching you recently for the last six weeks or so. And I just thought I'd share with you that I think you're doing an absolutely terrible, dreadful job uh, oh. in every job, right? It just, no one tells you you have an ugly baby, right? And nobody, I mean, they'll talk about, you know, the the leadership team behind their back, but but will they to their face? And, and the question then is, and I would like all of your listeners to think about this because it's quite a sobering thought, I feel. Um, ask yourself, it doesn't matter how big your organization is and who, how many people report to you, but here's the question. What percentage of the time do you think your people are telling you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So what percentage of the time do you think your people are telling you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? What do you That's reckon, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to guess 30 percent. For some reason, that number comes to mind. Right. Well, it's not 100. Right. So it's never that. Now, I guess, you know, I would accept entirely that it neither is it zero, but it, it it's somewhere south of 100. Yeah. And, and that's a shame because leaders need if they're going to trade in anything, it's kind of truth and trust. And uh, and and when truth is in short supply, then how do you how do you figure out? what's really going on, unless you make significant efforts to build your self-awareness, right? So that you can kind of 
figure out really the effect that you do have on people. I've been watching recently Succession. Have you been? Have you ever seen Succession, which is on TV recently? No, I haven't, but I've heard about it. But go okay. ahead. Right, and we have a a brute of a CEO that the last series. Well, I don't want to give too much away spoiler alert but in the last series he dies and then people are kind of reviewing reviewing his life i cannot tell you how many ceos i've seen that are like that individual but not the enlightened ones the enlightened ones like the ones i've worked for um uh, had the pleasure of working for and working with uh have really taken pains to grow their self-awareness so how do they do that which comes back to this evaluated experience so um uh, we encourage, because I was encouraged by the same uh, group chair, and I, we encourage all of our uh, clients to start by asking themselves this kind of question. The question would be, um, how did I do today? What would my leadership report card look like today, right? If I had the chance to look back and evaluate what would or could I have done differently? What maybe should I have said or not said? How could I have done that better? How could I have managed that meeting better? How could I have written that email better? And what then happens is when we start to grow that 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 reflexive and reflective muscle, what happens is we start to grow our self-awareness because what that what that demands from us, Adam, is, okay, well, um, if I give myself an A minus, what, what specifically would I have had to do to make that an A plus? Okay, so you do that enough time, right, with enough regularity, enough, uh -huh. you know, right kind of cadence and consistency. And then what happens, Adam, is instead of waiting until the end of the day when you know you're going to have to self-evaluate, right, when you know when you're going to have to give yourself, uh, you know, a grade, um, you find yourself pretty quickly in the moment, you kind of like have an, an out-of-body experience where you say, okay, that's a really great question that somebody's asked me. What would my A star, my A plus answer be? What would a world-class leader say? And, and, and so what happens is you start to do it in the moment instead of retrospectively. And that what that does is you start because you know, uh, hindsight is always in the rear view mirror. What that, what that, if you do that with enough frequency, it then brings you into the moment. You say, okay, how do I give my, if I'm going to grade myself later, what would be the right answer now to give myself an A star? What that then happens before too long, Adam, is it starts to improve your insight and foresight so that you can start to plan ahead and notice the icebergs on the way, notice where there are, you know, silos developing, where there is, uh, friction internally where where you're not serving customers well and all of that kind of stuff so that helps you kind of uh, look forward so back to this wisdom comes from evaluated experience not just from time served so you're not a good ceo uh, or a good leader just because you've been doing it for 20 years and and you know fortune 60 organizations i i know very very young and inexperienced leaders who are significantly more yeah you know have more leadership prowess and skill than right. some have been doing it for for 30 years because they are in, in you know that they're, they're uh dedicated to building their self-awareness i gave a talk to about 400 leaders just before covid uh i caught covid at the super bowl final <laughs> at the end of february uh, just before COVID came out, right before it was a thing, I was an early adopter, right? So I caught COVID very, very early. But just before that, <laughs> I did a talk to about 400 leaders. And I asked about 400 leaders in the room from all sizes of organizations and uh, 
geographies and all of that kind of stuff. I said, okay, uh, chaps, by a show of hands, who here has no leadership blind spot? <coughs> Excuse me. Now, fortunately enough, they were aware enough to recognize that they almost have them. So there were no hands that were raised. So that was a good, a good starting point. And then I said, okay, great. Yeah. Now, if, if everybody would then just take a moment and write down what their own particular leadership blind spots are, that would be terrific. Now, things became a little bit sticky then because we all know that we must have blind spots, but we don't know what they are because if we knew what they were, they wouldn't be blind spots, right? QED. So we don't we so we're, we're not trading in the truth. We we don't know where our weaknesses are. We don't know where our blind spots are, and yet we're expected to make, you know, rock star decisions, uh, day in day out, you know, consistently, uh, and it's just impossible to do. Did you ever read the um, autobiography of Bill Clinton? I think it's called My Life. Yes, um, I have. Yeah. So you know. Whether or not you particularly agree with or agreed with Bill Clinton's uh, politics, you can't argue that he was a decent orator, right? And he was pretty good yeah. at connecting people. And he said that whilst ever he was president, <coughs> excuse me, and arguably, you know, one of the most important leaders in the world, asked to make decisions about some of the most difficult topics in the world, like Israel, Palestine, uh, the economy, defense, all of those kind of things. The reality is he's not God. So so the best he can hope for is to make seven out of 10 decisions that are great, right? Where, <coughs> excuse me, hoping that the three poor ones will be outweighed by the seven good ones. So if a leader isn't making decisions, then what are they there for? So we work with our clients to help maximize their potential, to build their self-awareness, to maximize the potential of their people, identify and close their blind spots and help them make better decisions. And, and, and journaling helps them do all of those things. Did that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Makes uh, makes dollars and sense. You know, it's interesting that, um, you know, I am very much into um, uh, studying history for example and yeah. and uh, my in my way and uh, you know a long time ago i was uh, taught by a friend of mine who was a history professor that i should um that i should stay away from autobiographies uh until <laughs> i had mastered the life and times of the people whose biographies i was reading and uh i actually found the opposite approach works for me i mean it's just it's just okay. the way it's just the way it is because I need to, first of all, look at the decisions they make and think, well, how did they come up with that? And then right. it sends me on the quest of, well, what was the environment they were dealing with? What were the decision points? What were the internal and external factors that drove that decision? Sure. And, uh, for sure. And, um, you know, whether that's a politician, right, a leader of a country as well as a leader of a country. Yep. And, and you know, what they're all trying to do uh, is, is, is this principle of future proofing, you know, their organization or their country or the economy or <laughs> right. right? They're, they're looking to do that. And, you know, one of our uh, well, I don't know about you, but one of one of my absolute heroes is a chap called Marshall Goldsmith, who when we yeah. are dying, heaven, he'll be there. And, and and I love that you know the principle that he talks about 
you know, in terms of what got you here won't get you there. Well, if you think about if you think about the rate of change, I mean, just think about what AI has done to the world uh, in the last you know six months or so and then before that you know that there are always these you know what what see what what covid did to the world what um you know the internet the car telephone the airplane all you know all of these inflection points in 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 the world and the rate of change in business is that slowing down or speeding up would you say adam it's oh, speed, it's right? it's speeding up dramatically. And you know, what I've also come to see, and just particularly the past 10 years, is how quickly things can change. I remember about 2018, 2019, yeah. seeing some entrepreneurs uh, saying there's a recession coming. And I'm thinking, uh, do you actually like pay attention to what's going on? Oh. We're in one of the greatest economic surges of all time. Oh, right, right. It's like I was I was thinking, oh, my goodness gracious, we're in a we're in an era unlike anything we've ever seen in this country as far as the right. economy. Then 2020, right. boom. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah, we're not we're, we're not we're not talking about the benefits of the tax cut anymore. Let's put it no. that way. Right. So the rate of change is ever increasing in, in, in speed and depth and severity and so on. So, so when a CEO, when an executive used to get a role in one of those big blue car, you know, I'm sorry, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, what am I looking uh, chip? I'm looking at the word chip, blue chips, not like, but anyway, blue chip, yeah, blue chip, blue chip organizations, large complex organization, they were practically there for life. They could just kind of park and for 15 years, they would, they would be the CEO of the organization. And that was uh -huh. that. And, but, and at the same time though, Adam, people would get a job that they would, that kind of get a job out of college, out of university, and they'd be there till they retired. Is that the case now? It's it's a completely different world. Uh, and, Antonio, uh, if I may, let me tell you, it's been a yeah. completely different world for a long time. Uh, yeah. that, I, I finished my MBA in December of 2002, and then after that, I went through the usual route of uh, yeah. job interviews. I even got some job offers. I ended up turning them all down because the entrepreneurial bug bit me. Uh, there's nice. a longer story that I tell in some of the other episodes, but you still have a lot to share with us. So I don't want to take any of that time away yeah. from you. No, but go. but go here's what but here's one thing I wanted to, to mention is that um while I was in the job search side of it and as I was transitioning toward hey, you know what, I think I'll just stay at my current job a little bit longer, but I'm going to focus on starting a business, which is where I yeah. ended up. Um, yeah. I was uh, speaking with a friend of mine uh who uh who said and he said to me so how long have you been at that job? I said, uh, well, I took the job right when I started the MBA because uh, it gave me a role that was actually relevant while I was going for the MBA for, and it wasn't a hard job. It was a type where you did your 40 hours a week and went home. And uh, and so I figure I've been here for about two years. And he said, dude, you got to get out of there. <laughs> right. And, I, and, and but see, but this, see, that whole concept was entirely foreign to me because I thought yeah, his yeah. advice was going to be, well, that's a larger company. You should be seeking growth in that company uh, to show your stability. But what yeah. he said was, and this was back in 2003, he said, right. somebody's going to see you were sitting there for two years, got promoted once. They're going to say, what the hell is this guy doing just sitting there? Doesn't anybody want to hire him? Don't headhunters call him? Isn't he ambitious? You got to yeah, get out of there, man. You got to go work for another company like now. Yeah, yeah. Ambition and drive. Here's the other thing. So it doesn't have to be... Um, you know, so we're talking about the pace of change of the world, but also uh, where we're talking about 
large blue chip organizations and you know the the exec team come in and they park themselves in the boardroom and then they're there for 20 years but let's 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 not talk about you know those fortune 100 companies let's talk about the entrepreneur the guy in the street yeah. right so the guy that starts his own business right those entrepreneurs who we love i mean they're really our favorite they are our favorite clients of all of our clients. Why? Because we can help them move the needle so much more quickly, right? It's very difficult to turn around a huge tanker of an organization with 50,000 people. But, you know, a, a, a chap that started a company, maybe uh, maybe inherited from a father or a grandfather, right? Those, that's the backbone of, I don't want to just say America, but the backbone of the world, those small, medium-sized enterprises, they're, they're absolutely terrific. But the other challenge that we have is those leaders, you know, they've been in the business perhaps too long, right? This is the opposite side of the problem where they've grown up in that business and that's the only business they've ever known, right? And, and their dad started it, maybe their dad or the grandfather father was the founder and that's the only business they've known it's the only real success that they've had and now they're trying to run a company with maybe 50 or 100 people and it's so interesting how many times we talk to them and we say um how do you think you do it how do you think you do it and they say oh yeah yeah i know i think we're doing okay i said okay well give yourself a score and they'll say well yeah probably a you know like a minus i said okay terrific how many people have you got working for you and let's say Let's say this eight thirty. I say, okay, standard distribution bell chart. You've got twenty percent A players. You've got sixty percent B players. You've got twenty percent C players. Let's talk about your C players. Um, tell me about one of them. And they go, George. Okay, how long has George been with you? Three years. Give me another one, Mary. How long has Mary been with you? Two years. Okay, give me another one, Bill. How long has Bill been with you? Uh, nine months. And then I would always say, okay, well, did you hire them like that, or have you guys made them like that? Right. And so. They they go oh that's that's uh, yeah not uh, I'm I'm not sure I said well cool. well if you've got C players working for you that you're not doing anything about particularly and you've got a whole bunch of B players uh, how are you an A player <laughs> right because yeah. your success can you can only be an A player if all of your people are A players right you right. are the average of everybody that you have so. You know, we want good work-life balance and we want all of that good stuff. But we also want, you know, for them to understand what success is because success isn't dying with the most toys. Success is helping your people reach their full potential, helping yourself yeah. reach your potential. And then, Adam, your business will reach its full potential. So uh, leadership success is about reaching your goals, your team goals, doing it in the right way with the right style. Do you know what I mean by style? I mean, yeah. I, don't mean I don't mean, yeah, Dolce Gabbana suits. What I mean is um, that, you know, you do it in the right way. So yeah, we help people do all of that kind of stuff. And it's it's just so invigorating when we can save a company, save job, save families, save, you know, it's, it's tremendous. I love it. Yeah, let me uh, get an insight from you. Now you mentioned, yeah. and I agree with this, that you know, since you are essentially the average of the people who surround you, yeah. you can't call yourself an A player CEO if the majority of your people are B players or even C players. Now, <laughs> I've had, a, yeah, and I've had a theory on this for a week. Yeah, I mean, for, or, or, or not for a week, but for a while. Is that um, there are some people in your organization who may not be A players simply because they don't belong there. It doesn't mean they themselves are not an A player. They're just not destined to be in your organization. So yeah, does it make 100%. sense to cut them loose and let them find where they're going to be their best? 
Yeah, and 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 you know, it's not fair to have your people kind of coming into work every day, struggling. You know, I do. You, do you, do you ski, Adam? Do you ever ski? Uh, yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I, I'm. You know, I ski at more enthusiasm than style or skill, right? But when yeah. you see me skiing down kind of, uh, you know, one of those double diamond black runs type of thing, and if you were at the bottom watching me ski down, you would say, well, that's more crisis management than skiing, right? It's just like yeah. going from one turn to the next, avoiding one tree to the next. And so many people come to work every day and it feels like crisis management. And that's not fair, right? So you have to equip your people to be able to do that. And if they can't, if you've got a C player, we basically, we say, look, you as, as a leadership team, you have to act. And act means we either accept, so the A stands for accept that we've got some C players. And I, I would have an interesting debate with them about why they might want to accept that we have a C player. So uh, that that's a fairly, that's often a fairly difficult uh, conversation uh -huh. that we have with, with, with some of our leaders. But so we either accept or we change, we either change the role that they do. So maybe, you know, they could uh, go into uh, sales, for example, or drive a forklift truck or do something else, right? So we either accept who they are and what they are and their capabilities and all of that kind of stuff, which we can't really, but we have we have sort of like a, an aha moment where it's like, okay, we've got to make a decision. So if we can't accept, we either change what they do or we change their beliefs, right, or their values. So we, we there's a lot of coaching, uh, you know, required to accept, change, or unfortunately terminate, accept, change, or terminate. And oftentimes when, when somebody leaves an organization where they're unhappy, they're unproductive, they're not doing a, a terribly good job, when they get to the right environment, when they get to the right culture, they thrive. So one of the things that we talk to leaders about is, hey, really be really clear about what your core values are, and you hire and fire to core values. You must have seen, Adam, and I've seen, you know, countless times, you go to somebody's wedding, right? Um, and you know, you, you you see the bride and the groom up at the front <laughs> front of the church, or whatever, and you 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 wonder, you think, cracky, are they really, you know, you kind of whisper to your your other half, I give it a year, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And and you look at somebody like my mum and dad, for example, who were married, you know, 50 or 60 years. Um, and they they're constantly bickering and rowing, or they were rather before my mother died. But here's the point. They both shared the same core values, so you can kind of get through stuff. And then other couples, they get married, and, and they're divorced within two years. Why? Because their core values weren't aligned. And so one of the first things we talk about, is it's, it's like day one when we're working with our leaders, identify you know, be really, really clear about what you and your organization and your brand and your style and all of that. Be really clear about what your core values are. If anybody's interested in that, there's a free tool on our website. You can dig that out. It's so key. Get your core values right. Uh, and then those C players who aren't doing terribly well with you, they'll possibly be A players somewhere else, right? Yeah. Because there's better core value alignment. So it's really important. You're absolutely right. Sometimes those C players would be much happier elsewhere. In fact, oftentimes. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, I I've I know how that I know how it feels firsthand. Now, in yeah. your book, um, this is something I really want to make sure we have time for because we're over yeah. halfway through already, believe it yeah. or not. Um <laughs> 
Yeah, it's uh, you know, you uh, you point out in your book uh, that there's evidence that shows that emotional intelligence, and I think this is a great segue here, is a strong, if not the strongest, single predictor of leadership performance. So, yep. what? So, what do we mean by that, and what can leaders do to enhance their emotional intelligence? I actually agree with this, but I want to hear your thoughts on it. Okay, great. Well, the good news is, I'll start with some good news. The good news is that that. Emotional intelligence can absolutely, you know, intentionally be, you know, grown and developed. It's not something that's stamped on your DNA at birth. Some lucky people get it and some and some unlucky don't, which is different from IQ. Everybody knows what IQ is, right? The kind of like intelligence and, and yeah. people think, with well, with IQ and technical skill, we will be successful. Actually, that's not the case. And it was Coca-Cola, I think, in the 80s that first did a big investigation into why do some of our divisions, why do some of our teams, why do some of our uh, companies succeed and some don't? Because Coca-Cola isn't just Coke, right? They also have Fanta and, you know, Oh yeah, like 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 any company, they're a conglomerate. Yeah, massive, massive, hundreds and hundreds of uh, departments and divisions and uh, uh, businesses a- across the world. So they did this big I- investigation into which of our you know which of our teams are, are, are really really doing really really well and which ones are not. And they discovered that the the most successful teams and divisions and leaders and da 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 da. Significantly, um, were outperforming the rest by a couple of hundred percent. I mean, it's not like two or three percent. Were all high in emotional intelligence. So I'll come back to that in a second. But they also found that the ones that were underperforming, that were poor, were all low in emotional intelligence. Now let's think about it. Coca Cola for a second. Coca Cola, Microsoft, Kellogg's, Gillette, all of those kind of big, you know, uh, massive, massive organizations. They have the pick of the crop, right? They advertise a job, thousands apply, and they can get the smartest, the most well-qualified individuals on the planet, right? So they, because, you know, they don't struggle to find quality <laughs> recruits, right? It's like the best of the best. And and, and what happens is a lot of uh, organizations, when they're, when they're hiring, because hiring is a 3C assessment. It's about capability, credibility, and chemistry, right, at its base at its heart and what a lot of organizations do is they 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 tend to look very very you know they look hard at credibility and capability and sometimes all they look at is chemistry but here's the thing what we have to do is say look let's let's start doing something else let's start hiring for attitude almost let's start hiring for beliefs and values and and core value fit and then kind of train for skill. All right, then people then say, okay, so what things should we look for then? How do we know? How do we know, uh, you know, a, a, a decent individual when we find one? Well, like Coca Cola did, and 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 uh, uh, people like uh, uh, Daniel Goldman and so on. They started they started codifying what emotional emotional intelligence is all about, and it's kind of about this self awareness that we were talking about, self regulation. How many how many bosses 
Have you known, Adam, who really struggle to keep a lid on their temper, right? Who go yeah. blow hot and blow cold and scream and shout at everybody? That's because they have like zero self-regulation. Uh, motivation is kind of like the third element, emotional intelligence. That's not only understanding themselves, but their people. Another one of the exercises that we do, Adam, when we start working with small to large companies is we'll say to the CEO, okay, so, or to the leadership team, how many people... Uh, report to you and they'll direct report to you and they'll say six okay terrific six list them down i go bill and tom and mary and joe it's okay great right next to each one of those names what are their three personal right that's not corporate what are their three personal uh goals in life uh-huh. okay. and then you go i i don't know i said well if you don't know what someone's personal goals are, how can you align them with the corporate goals, right? How can you properly motivate your people, right? So so if anybody's listening and wants to do that exercise, you know, you could do a lot worse than write down the the, the, the names. of the, And, and most, most leaders fail at this one, Adam, right? Write down the names of the people that report to you. Write down their three personal goals. You don't know them. How are you going to find them? Go and talk to them. When you can figure out what it is that they're trying to achieve as individuals, what they want to do in their lives, what, what things motivate them, and you can align corporate goals with, with their personal goals, man, you're going to get a motivated team, right? So there's motivation. And we've talked about that forever. And then there's empathy. And, I, and by empathy, I don't just mean trying to, you know, imagine what it must be like for them in their job. I mean, figuring out the effect that their behavior, the leader's behaviors that, that have on other people as well. And then there's this whole thing about kind of social skill. How good are they, at, you know, reading across cross, cross-cultural boundaries? How good are they at talking to groups? How good are they at talking to individuals? And more than just idle schmoozing, but actually really understanding people, you know, that whole active listening and so on. So we have these, these, these components of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, social skill. And they found that the leaders high in those things are like to a person significantly outperforming those that have just got good technical skill and uh, experience. So here's the thing about emotional intelligence. It's, it, it, it's, it's entirely fluid and flexible. So when we ask people to do this self, uh, you know, this self-reflection, this journaling and so on, we are building in our program, all of those five components and and if I can ask people to start recruiting, and there are assessments, we have an assessment that that, that, that that identifies that, but if they can start recruiting for core values and emotional intelligence, they will significantly outweigh those that have just been doing it for 20 years and have got a degree from Princeton. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So another thing that you, um, you bring up is that um, the whole thing about belief sets so beliefs and i think it makes common sense that holding negative beliefs will attract negative results it but but i think i think sometimes it's more challenging to be just positive all the time than people make it out to me particularly when you're in a leadership position and you see the whole picture i know being in a leadership position myself that uh if uh, if I'm looking at a whole bunch of indicators and I don't see anything that looks good, how how am I going to be positive? <laughs> okay, great question. So, yeah, and, and, I, and I don't know an entrepreneur who hasn't been in that place. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Here's the thing, right? It's a great, it's a great question. That's a really insightful question, actually. 
So um, let's 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 agree this is just as a general principle. It's it's hard to have a positive life if everything is filled with negativity, right? And that includes right your response to situations, right? So if you're down in the dumps and miserable and like a bear with a sore head because the KPIs aren't what you need them to be, is that going to make the world better? Is that gonna, is that going to is that going to help everybody? No. So let's think about let's think about this this maximized potential model that you're right starts with those beliefs and values right so one of the things that we ask all of our clients to do uh, and it's so powerful is to start the day with some some things that we uh uh that we are grateful for and and there are always there are always things to be grateful for you know the food on your table food on your plate is is the stuff of dreams to those that are hungry your house is the stuff of dreams to those that are homeless right your health is the stuff of dream for those that are ill you get the idea your sight is the stuff of dreams for those that are blind so i don't care how grim things are there is always something that you can cling on to so so we start the day with some gratitude but we gotta we gotta figure out right that the to maximize our potential and our people and our company's potential there are four areas that we really need to um, get a handle on so beliefs and values right so how do we help people with beliefs and values well it's coaching and and anybody that tells you adam anybody that tells you that they're serious about you know developing themselves they're serious about maximizing their potential they're serious about growth and, and development and they don't have a coach and they don't journal don't believe them right because because we all get in our heads we're all kind of like six-year-olds in big pants right we've all got some head trash and self-limiting beliefs so we have to work on our beliefs and values and again we do that in our journal but we can't just believe right and we can't just think ourselves uh you know to success in terms of you know if i just think positive and think positive good things will happen right we're not talking about you know um manifestation here but we are talking about we all have patterns we all have kind of patterns in our purpose and there are things that we believe that are holding us back and there are things that we believe that are propelling us forward and let's figure those out okay but that's not that's not going to do everything we also need to other than just figure out our beliefs and values we've also got to do something so our actions and initiatives right that need to be driven by those beliefs and values and we have to hold ourselves accountable to both of those things so we have to actions and initiatives also help but again we can't just have good beliefs and good actions and initiatives and hope that the world will improve because we also need to make sure that our skills and abilities in those actions and initiatives are good so so We've got to make sure that skills and abilities are there. And then finally, that self-awareness and EQ. And it's the same for our people, right? We're going to have to, in terms of beliefs and values, we coach the why. In terms of actions and initiatives, we manage the what. What do we do? And then in terms of skills and abilities, we train the how. And then in kind of self-awareness and EQ, we kind of motor, uh, uh, mentor the consequences and outcomes. So the point is that... You can't have a positive life if it's filled with negativity. So start start building up your kind of gratitude uh, uh, bank. Figure out which of those beliefs are holding you back. Remember when I said those blind spots, right, that we all have, right, and those negative thoughts, negative self-talk and self-limiting belief. We've got to flush them out, Adam. We've got to, we've got to put them on a wall and we've got to start throwing some darts at them, right? Um, another way to think about it is those beliefs and values and self-awareness and EQ 
is about lighting fires within people, including yourself. And then those actions and initiatives and skills and abilities are about lighting fires under people, including yourself. So it's about yeah. managing those fires. Make sense? Oh, makes lots of sense. Good. Dollars and cents. <laughs> so one other thing I wanted to make sure we had time to cover here is, um, you know, in in uh, you know in your in your book that we're discussing, the My Daily yeah. Leadership book, uh, yeah. you, know, you mentioned... 20 critical performance competencies that leaders need to future-proof themselves. So right. we mentioned future-proofing earlier and how challenging that can be. Uh, yeah. But you're also saying it's possible uh, future-proof themselves or people in their businesses. So what are these top or, or what are these competencies, at least the top three of them, do you feel are essential toward having a chance at future-proofing? So that's a great question. So, you know, you could go, and, and any of us could, right? We could go to uh, Barnes & Noble, <laughs> bookshops available, right? We get to the business section and there's miles and miles and, you know, shelf upon shelf upon shelf of what is leadership, what is management, what's all that stuff. Uh -huh. Like, and, and everybody's got their own, I, you know, I get it. Everybody has got their own particular kind of uh, flavor on that, if that makes sense. So... But what we did is we looked at, I don't know, uh, I can't remember. I don't want to exaggerate it. So we'll, we'll around a thousand, right? Successful organizations, it, all sizes, all styles, all over the place, right? So, and we thought, what is it that these successful companies are all good at? Okay. So there's a long list of what they're bad at. And, and you know, that list would just, you just pick out a dictionary and, and you can find that pretty <laughs> anything from A to Z, right? But what are they what are they actually good at? And what we did is we we pretty quickly developed uh, our model for extraordinary leadership. And it fought that that falls into kind of five um five areas, I I, I guess you I guess you could call it uh i don't want to go too much into you know competencies and skill sets and all of that kind of stuff but kind of five areas of uh leadership excellence and in each of those five there are four so that's your 20 because it's five times four if that makes sense so the the reality is that every particular um uh business at any particular point in time um has if it, if they're struggling they probably have some kind of um uh deficit somewhere right because you know because they're struggling so let's just think about people first i'll come to people then i'll come to the model is that okay yeah go ahead cool so again what i'd like everybody that's listening to do is to just get a piece of paper and just kind of write this down if you take away one thing from today's podcast that can transform your organization it's this and then i'll and then i'll come to i'll come to that uh leadership uh success model okay so just quickly draw a quick table and it just sounds like this so what do we want what do we want as leaders and 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 managers and owners of businesses what do we want from our people we don't want a lot adam here's what we want we want people who are self-sufficient what what do you think i mean by that self-sufficiency what do you think that means self-sufficiency yeah we want people who are self-sufficient what do i mean by that do you think uh, i th i think it uh i th i mean if you want to hear my uh, somewhat negative view of it uh, the ability to 
uh, deliver exactly what you want them to deliver without even telling them what that is. Right, exactly. So we want people who are self-sufficient, kind of just get on with stuff, right? That that, that get on with stuff and, and we don't have to constantly micromanage them and constantly check. We want people who are self-sufficient. That's the first thing that we want. So what do we right. want? We want self-sufficiency with high skill so that when those people are doing the thing that they're doing, they're doing good stuff. So, you know, as leaders, more than anything, we're, we're you know, we are, if you like, quality assurance people that's really what we're that's all really all that we did right so we want we want people who are self-sufficient with a high degree of skill and a high degree of motivation so that they do a lot of good stuff so that they do a lot of stuff independently with its good quality stuff and they do a lot of it and we want people with a little bit of tenure who are going to stay around for a little as we just talked about earlier we don't want people every five minutes that are moving around all right, right. so we want self-sufficiency with skill motivation and tenure but what do they want what do the people that work in the organization what do they want let's think about that for a second well the first thing they want is autonomy they want to feel that they're not being micromanaged and they're going to be just allowed to get on with the job. Well, autonomy is kind of the flip side of self-sufficiency. They're, they're kind of the same thing if you think about it. Okay, so they want autonomy. They want a feeling of mastery that they can get the job done, right? So that is also the same as skill. We want people that are skillful and they want to feel a sense of mastery that they can spin all the plates. We want people with motivation and they want a sense of purpose and it's our responsibility to give them that. So motivation and purpose, we're also on the same page. And then we want, you know, we want people that will stay around for a while and they want progression. So we want tenure and they want progression. So if you think about it, Adam, we all want the same thing that we want self-sufficiency. They want autonomy. We want skill. They want mastery. We want motivation. They want purpose. We want tenure. They want progression. So we're all wanting the same thing. Well, if that's the case, then it can't be beyond the wit of man for us to do that. Okay. Come back to the research that we did that says, okay, well, the best organizations, how do they do that? Well, what they do is they kind of build the business around these five um, core principles of exceptional leadership. That's people development, right? So we've got to be really, really good at developing our people. Company development, number two, I'm answering your 20 questions. Uh, the company development, right? So we've got to make sure that we're developing the company well. Self-development, that's the leadership team. Strategy development, and then leadership development. In other words, developing more leaders. Now inside each of those five core areas, there are critical performance competencies. There's a whole list of them. There's 20 of them. I'm not going to go through them now because it'll just take us forever, but it's on. It's in the book, right? Read the book. It's all in there. But the best companies, and it doesn't, I don't mean the biggest companies. I don't mean the most profitable companies. I mean the best run cultures, right? The most successful cultures and organizations figure out that the leadership team and the individuals were all on the same page in terms of that model that I just talked about a few seconds ago in terms about that maximizing potential and we all want the same thing and they're really good at developing people the company themselves strategy and making more leaders and the best companies do that and it's a formula you don't have to be just born with that skill right you can develop that if you're just intentional it's about being very it's about being having the right values. It's about being kind. It's about being intentional. It's about being developmental. And it's about having high degrees of EQ. Right. Right. Absolutely. So 
So we are actually very near the top of our uh, time here, but uh, there's just one more thing I know. I'd like to I'd like to stay for another three hours. Uh, but uh, but uh, you know, you have a couple gifts for our audience, which I'm going to share on your behalf in okay. just a moment. I'm going to do that for yeah. you. But before okay. we do that, um, yeah. I want to ask just in general of all the things we've covered today, and there's so much more that you yeah. have to offer, and I'm going to show our listeners how to get some of that. Is yeah. uh, is if you're in a leadership position today and you're looking around you and whatever you see around you, what is the first thing that you would urge leaders to do right now as soon as this uh, episode oh, finishes streaming? Great question. So do you remember that chap I told you a million years ago who said, you know, do you journal and, you know, what's all that about and stuff? Yeah. Uh, let me tell you, this, the, 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 this is like the second or third conversation I had with him. And please, your listeners do this. It'll make a significant uh, uh, difference to your uh, leadership uh, profile and success. Here's the question he asked me. He said, have you ever worked for a dreadful leader? And I said, oh, yeah, I have. Yeah, I have. Right. And he got a piece of paper out and he put his pen on top of the paper and he slid it across the desk and he said, will you just write down what the characteristics of a dreadful leader are? And I thought, this is so trash, so odd. So I wrote, you know, maybe someone that micromanages, maybe someone that blows hot and cold, has favorites, is inconsistent. You know, you can imagine, right? The bully. You, we all know what a dreadful leader looks like. And I wrote five or six things and I slid it back. And he said, yeah, write some more. So then I wrote some more things. And now I'm maybe at seven or eight things. I slid it back. He slid it back to me again. He said, just a few more. Eventually, I got to about 15 if you like, characteristics of a dreadful, dreadful, dreadful leader, right? And everyone will have their own personal list of dreadfulness, right? And and then I wrote this list and he went, yeah, that's exactly right. I said, that is exactly what a terrible, terrible leader is. I said, okay, good. He said, now will you do me a favor? I said, yeah, What what is it? He said, can you promise me that whilst ever you're running this organization, you promise to never do any of the things on that list, right? Uh-huh. And so, so I was then... I, I was obliged to hold myself to the standard that I had just devised for myself, right? Everybody, if everybody here could write down what they be, what they believe a dreadful leader looks like and then have it somehow, you know, uh, laminate it, put it on your screensaver, stick it on your bathroom mirror when you're brushing your teeth, carry it with you at all times. We know what terrible looks like. Define it very, very clearly. And then never do that. And and just that will significantly start to change the leader that you are by as quickly as the next 72 hours. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So here's what we have to to share from Antonio. First of all, uh, visit his website, www.mydailyleadership.com. Now, there are two links that you're going to see when you go to the notes on this show on our website. The first Mm -hmm. is a free chapter. A free chapter of that book called My Daily Leadership. And uh, the link is, I'll say it out loud, www.mydailyleadership.com forward slash book hyphen chapter. So book hyphen chapter. And then the second one is a leadership health check. Now, this is intriguing. Basically, it's a diagnostic tool that works online, and it'll give you a diagnosis of your leadership development requirements and help you discover how you're performing against uh, what Antonio calls the five core elements of exceptional leadership. So it's an online quiz, 
and yeah. it has a rating scale and you'll get a score at the very end it takes about five minutes to complete and yeah. you can find that at mydailyleadership.com forward slash leadership hyphen health hyphen check leadership Adam, hyphen health hyphen check can i ask a favor though yeah can you can we ask your listeners to not do it unless they will pay attention to the results whether they like them or not well yeah i would uh, i would hope so yes so please yeah, be open don't. so be open to yeah. any discoveries yes. that you may make and also open yourself to the opportunity you may get answers to questions you haven't known to ask yet Exactly. Perfect. Good. That's great advice because a lot of people take an assessment. They agree with all the stuff they agree with and then they disagree with it. But why? Because they've got low self-awareness. Back to our original problem. So exactly. If you're going to pay attention to the results, if you're not, then you just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Don't do Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Antonio, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been um, an honor and believe me in education. Nice. Good. It's been lovely. Thank you ever so much. I'll see you soon. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.